0: For information about investing in character-led companies, please visit www.rocinvestments.com and join the growing number of investors choosing to make character a priority when investing their money.
1: Welcome to another episode of Return on Character podcast with me, your host, Dan Cooper, founder of Rock Investments, an investment strategy that lets investors get exposure to the market with only companies that have been screened for character, or as we call it integrity, responsibility, forgiveness, and compassion. I am super pumped today to have my friend Rick Warren on the show with us. Um,
0: Rick, welcome. Good to be with you. And I, I totally believe in what you're doing. It's, uh, it's essential. There are very few people who understand the importance of character, uh, not just in leadership, but in literally every area of life, including how we invest our money, our time, our effort, our talent, et cetera.
1: Rick, it's so fun to to be with you. I mean, for those of you that don't know who Rick is, Rick is a, I think he'd first say you're a pastor, and he happens to be a pastor of a church that was founded over 42 years ago. He recently stepped down Saddleback Church in Orange County uh, and is pursuing new things. Maybe we can get into that. He's also the author of Purpose Driven Life, which is one of the greatest books ever written, uh, aside from the Bible, I'm sure you'd say. They've sold over 50 million copies. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be with Rick in the early days when we were working with President Kagame in Rwanda in the launch of the peace plan, you know, and, uh, and all these things. We, we, we just, you know, what's fun is when you, when you travel with somebody, you really get to know and it's been such an honor to get to know you. Thank you for coming on you know i i you know you knew Joe, you know my mentor
0: I love joe richie i I miss him every day since he's been gone and his big thing was character right and absolutely and and that's that's why we actually our worlds collided and came under the same alignment is because we had the same value system of uh there's more than the bottom line. What matters is uh, the top line, and that is your character. And uh, it's it's wise to invest in character
1: from a from a biblical perspective, or even from a your interpretation of uh, the Bible as it relates to Jesus and his teachings. What is it? What does Jesus in the Bible tell us about the importance of character and the way we live or anything?
0: Well, there's a lot. There, there's a whole lot because it's a fundamental theme. Uh, the, 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 the first question of life is, what's going to be the center of my life? Okay, there, there are a number of probably five fundamental questions. The first one's what's going to be the center of my life? You can make God the center of your life. You can make your career the center of your life. Uh, you can make being popular the center of your life, having fun, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but what you make the center of your life is going to affect everything else. The second fundamental question is going to be, what's going to be the community of my life? And that is, who am I going to hang out with? Who? What's going to be my fellowship, my tribe, my my gang? Because the Bible says, bad company corrupts good character. It says that in the book of Corinthians, bad company corrupts good character. You tend to to hang out with people, you you start picking up their characteristics, and you know the old uh, uh, cliche: you, you can't soar with the eagles. If, you know, if you're running with the turkeys, and, and so you, you got to figure out who who's going to be the community of my life. If you get around people of character, you're going to develop character. If you get around people who don't care about character, uh, that's what's going to happen to you. What's going to be the the center of my life? What's going to be the community of my life? And the third fundamental question is, what's going to be the character of my life? And that is, what am I going to become? What am I going to... That includes my attitudes, it includes my speech, it includes my values, it includes the way I use my time, my money, uh, my talents, uh, all all of these things. What's going to be the character uh, of my life? Uh, The fourth question that comes out of character is, uh, what's going to be the contribution of my life? And that is, how what, how am I going to give back? Uh, how do I make a difference in, in this world? How do I try to make the world a better place during those 80, 90, 100 years? That's all you're going to get on this planet. What's going to be your contribution uh, in life? And the final question is, what's going to be my communication? That's my life message. And that is, what does... God wants to say to the world through me. There's a common message that he wants us to share about his love, but there's also unique messages because God gives us all a unique heart, passion, things that you care about and other people don't and other people care about things you don't. So, it, God made us have different passions, that way everything in the world gets done. We all like to do the same thing, a lot would get left undone. Done. But of those five questions, this third one, what's gonna be the character of my life? Bible has a lot to say about it. Um, uh, it uh, back in the book of Psalms, uh, uh, Psalms 78, 72, uh, it says there, uh, David shepherded them. He's talking about David, the king of Israel. David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands, he led them. Integrity of heart, skillful hands. These are two essentials for leadership, character and competence. Character and common. Integrity of heart, that's character. Skillful hands, that's competence. Now, you know, uh, one of my mentors was actually Peter Drucker. And, and Peter Drucker said to me, if I heard it say once, I heard it a dozen times, where he said, the foundation of leadership is character, not charisma. In fact, he says charisma has nothing to do with leadership, except that it tends to warp it uh the most charismatic leaders of the last century uh also happened to be the worst uh mao hitler stalin uh they were very charismatic they could they could motivate and manipulate uh with their personalities but they were also disastrous there are plenty of highly charismatic leaders people with charisma that have bombed and failed and burned out and hurt people and destroyed companies because they lack character. Charisma is not enough. We 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 live in a world that is looking for charisma, and we're looking for celebrities that are exciting and, and 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 well, they light up the room and they walk in. But you don't. The truth is, Dan, you don't have to have charisma to be a good leader, but you do have to have character. Now, here's why. Character is what gives your life credibility. And if you don't have credibility, wise people aren't going to follow you. Now, you can get dumb people to follow you, but wise people aren't going to follow you if you lack credibility. Every day, people are doing a credit check on your life. Now, think about this. If I want to borrow money, I go to a bank. Uh, They say, sure, Mr. Warren, we'll loan you some money. But first, we're going to do a credit check on your life. And they, do you pay your bills? Do you keep your promises? Are you on time? Uh, and uh, they're doing a credit check to see if you are creditable or credible. And it, if they say, yeah, uh, he, he's exactly what he appears to be. He, he keeps his promises. He does what he says he'll do. Then they'll, they'll loan you the money because you are credible and they give you the credit you need. Now, leadership, is all about influence. If you, don't have, if you don't have any influence, you're not a leader. You may have a title, but uh, that's not leadership. He who thinketh he leads and has no one following him is only taking a walk. That's an old parable proverb. And, and, and if you want to know if you're a leader, it's real simple. Look over your shoulder. If nobody's following you, guess what? You're not it. But every day people are doing a credit check on your life to see, are you exactly what you say you are? Are you, doesn't mean you're perfect uh, because nobody's perfect, okay? Integrity doesn't mean perfection. If it meant that, none of us have integrity. It means integrity actually comes from the word integer or integer, which means a unit of one. And what it means is you don't don't segment your life and wear different masks in different areas like, he, thousands of years ago during uh, Aristotle, Plato, Socrates and the glory days of, of Greece, uh, Greek actors would do these plays and they one actor would play multiple parts. They would wear different masks. So they'd come out, they'd play one part with the mask, go back behind a change mask, come out and play another part, go back, change mask, come out and play another part. And those actors who played multiple parts with different masks were called in Greek Just what word we get from that? Obviously, hypocrite. And a hypocrite means uh, I act one way on the golf course. I act another way with my wife. I act another way in church. I act another way with the Queen of England. And I act another way with business associations. And and, and what I want to say about this, because this is really important to character, if you segment your life, segment your life, you've already lost your integrity. Because you're you're parceling out in different areas, and you think, well, I act this way. Here's my private porno life. Here's my private uh, uh, social life. Here's my sex life over here. Here's my work life. But if you segment it like that, and your different ways, different reveal, you don't have integrity. Uh, and and that integrity is at the fundamental uh, floor integrity and humility of uh, of character. A lot of people fall into what I call the Titanic myth. Um, The Titanic was supposed to be unsinkable. It was called the first unsinkable ship. And the reason why, it was the first big vessel in which they segmented the hull into compartments. And much like a a submarine where they, they segment the submarine so you can batten down the hatches. And the theory is you can take on water in a certain area but it won't sink the ship. Because you'll 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 seal it off, and in the Titanic, it was theory was you can hit an iceberg, it could take water on in that area, but the hull is segmented, and so it won't the water won't fill the whole boat. Uh, whereas prior to that, with a one hull, you get a hole, a hole in the hole in the hull, it sinks the boat. Now, theoretically, I get that, okay, I, I, I understand that. but a hole in the boat is a hole in the boat is a hole in the boat. And, and what a lot of people think, well, I can have this one area where there's failure in my life and it won't sink my life. Wrong. You, you, you're wrong. Uh, if you and I go out in a rowboat and you we're both fishing in it and I'm sitting at my end and all of a sudden they pull out a drill, start drilling a hole through the bottom of the boat. And you go, Hey Rick, what are you doing? I go, well, don't, don't worry about it. It's my life. I'm not affecting anybody else. It's just my life. No, I'm going to take you down with me.
1: My side of the boat. Don't pay attention.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) a, A sin, okay, a sin may be private. In other words, other people don't know about it. But it's never personal because it does affect other people. And if I start living a double life, first, it affects my relationship to God. Second, it starts affecting my relationship to my wife. And eventually it affects relationship to all my friends, people I work with, or whatever. And and so uh, little things do matter.
1: One of the things that we often say in the, in our investment analysis is that it's not that high character people uh, don't mess up. In fact, the best opportunity to see a person's character oftentimes is in the big mess ups in life. Right. How do they, how
0: they recover? Well, the difference, the difference is, um, you're exactly right. The difference is between reputation and character. Reputation is what people say you are. Character is what you really are. Um, D.L. Moody said, character is what, you're, is what you are in the dark when nobody's looking. Okay. Reputation is what everybody, what you want. And what's, here's what's a funny thing today. When uh, a business leader, or a politician, or a, a religious leader... They have a scandal. You know what the result? The typical solution today is you go out and hire an image consultant to to work on your PR. (laughs) Wrong thing. That's working on the reputation. It's not working on your character. Your character is not changing unless you choose to work on it. Uh, Now, all through Scripture, in 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 the Book of First Timothy, uh, chapter three, Paul lays out the characteristics for leadership. In that, he, he never says, well, you have to have this much, this much education and these, these degrees. He never says uh, you have to have a magnetic personality. He never says you have to be well-known. Uh, what he gives is a list of character qualities. He talks about character traits. So this is the exact opposite of where we're going right now, particularly in politics. Leaders come in all shapes, sizes, and temperaments. There's no one particular leadership personality. In fact, there are many. Uh, you don't have to be an outgoing to be a leader. God wants to use your personality as it is, but you do have to have character, to have have a, a, the blessing of God, and to have the trust ultimately long term with with people.
1: One of the things that that I think a lot of us are confused on, um, you know, even as Christians myself, um, is is how you prioritize character as it relates to political realities in the world. Um, you know, I personally have been confused significantly as to, I think the polled Christian church, the majority of them, have been fairly supportive of the trend to uh, support leaders that I think seem like the antithesis of Jesus. And so how do how do we wrestle with that? Uh, how do we respond Uh, how, how should we be thinking about that? Do you, or maybe help me understand why that's happened?
0: Well, it's, it's a great question and you're not the only one baffled by it. Uh, I've been baffled by it and I've been baffled by friends who, uh, became advocates for different politicians who were living a lifestyle that's the exact opposite of what is Christ like living. Uh, they're not humble. They're arrogant. Uh they're not kind they're vicious uh they they're not loving they're mean-spirited they're they they are uh, narcissistic and and bullies and you know they're people that you know, maybe you wouldn't even want for your next-door neighbor much less to be a, a senator or a congressman or president or you know any other role and it is baffling but it shows this it shows that our society uh and even Christians in our society have bought into the myth that winning at all costs is the most important thing that it, that you've got to win you don't have to always win uh, you don't uh, in fact nobody wins all the time uh, everybody has successes in life and failures in life and life is a is a combination it's a it's a balance of both in life and uh, sometimes people say well i'm I'm choosing between the lesser of two evils. Well, I I can understand that. I can understand if somebody held their nose and voted for a person, for a congressman or any other position, say, well, I think they are the lesser of two evils. However, you do have a third choice and it has to do with your own integrity. And that is, uh, there might be an election where you go, neither of these people or none of the, the. If you got 15 candidates. None of them are acceptable. There, nobody's holding a gun to your head and said you have to vote for one of them. You can write in, a, do a write-in. Uh, you could vote for a lesser-known person, things like that, simply because you say, my conscience says, I, I happen to not approve of either of these candidates uh, because uh, that that's a matter of personal integrity. You say, well, then you're, you're giving it away. Sometimes you you get hurt for doing the right thing. Sometimes God has not promised that life will be easy if you always make the right choice. Sometimes uh, you make the right choice, and in Scripture, people got thrown into prison for it, or people got martyred for it, or they got hung on the cross. Jesus did nothing wrong, and and evil people still crucified him. Uh, So uh, it is... It is uh, astounding to me that today in our society, power is more important than integrity. Uh, Winning is more important than what's right. And um, it's sad, but to me, that's an indictment in many ways on the church. And it's an indictment actually on pastors because they haven't been teaching the people uh, that, wait a minute, integrity does matter. Character does matter. Purity, generosity, humility—these uh, things do matter. Uh, and 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 the big mind-blowing uh, 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 bafflement that we you we were just talking about is the so-called vo- value voters forgot their values in in uh, at least the last decade. Uh, that, that's a, it's a over. They are not values voters. They are, they might be policy voters. And they, they're voting for policies, but they're not simply values voter. And they're certainly not character voters.
1: I think I, I'm convinced that, you know, a lot of us are fundamentally, you know, good intentioned And we get tricked in the, into doing things out of power or, or fear, you know, and, can it, and it seems like the church has been tricked into buying the, the notion that they need power to be able to somehow preserve the faith.
0: Well, you, here's the thing: is you've never changed anything uh, 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 at, at, from the top down. It it comes bottom up. Change, revival, revolution, uh, 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 reformation always starts with the peasants. And, and and people today are putting their their trust in the wrong thing. They think that that politics is going to change everything. Politics is not gonna change everything. Uh, in fact, it's downstream from culture. By the time you start trying to make a law about something, it's already in the water. If you wanna change culture, you gotta go further upstream. And what, where, where culture starts is in entertainment, in sports, and in music, and the artists and things like that. They all start the stuff there and then it gets in the stream and then they come down and go, oh, we need a law about this. And, and but that's kind of after the fact. Uh, so the other thing is you're never going to change hearts with a law. The Bible says real clearly that you can't change human behavior simply by making rules. Uh, in fact, the whole, there's a whole book on that. It's called the book of Romans. It says that you don't change people by making laws and, and, uh, you know, in other words, I can make a law that outlaws racism, for instance, which it ought to be outlawed, but, uh, it, no law is going to turn a bigot into a lover.
1: That's right.
0: That's an internal thing. It's got to be a God thing, and it's got to be a personal choice. So you can't force people to act moral before they have the power in them to be morals.
1: Yeah, and the culture, I mean, you, yeah, you can't dictate to the culture its values. You can influence it through good behavior and examples and rational and, and, and loving, loving connection with the people that are close to you, but dictating it never works. And that kind of gets to the other question is like the conundrum that often I know many of us face probably on both sides is how do you how do we bridge? How do we like I'll just give you an example. My mom, you know, she, she and I look at she, she's just I
0: bet you voted for different she, candidates.
1: We did. And and. How do we bridge those, how do we bridge those divides, you know? And because ultimately it's, you know, you love these people, you know, <laughs> you really do. And it, it's a confusing thing. Do you have any thoughts on
0: that? Like, We have to learn how to disagree without being disagreeable. And the second thing, uh, in other words, what, what used to be is uh, 50 years ago uh, in politics and in a lot of areas, if somebody disagreed with you on something, on a policy or a political thing, something like that, they just disagreed with you, okay? Nobody was challenging. are you an American? Are you a patriot? Uh, are you a good person? Today, anything that's different is considered demonic. In other words, we demonize people. Uh, we, we, we dehumanize people. And, we, and, and the, the name calling, and I'll tell you where that came from. It came from the internet. Because it used to be, people will say things on the internet, hiding behind a screen, that they would never say to you in person. They don't have the courage to say that in person. But it's easy to sit in a screen in your pajamas and throw throw flames at things. And the whole issue of social media has become a cesspool, really, for uh, the worst element. And they dominate, and they yell the most, and they... And no matter what you say, somebody's gonna come back and and hit it with an A and then they hook you and they hook you and all of a sudden you're being angry and you're getting mad and you're getting polarized and the world's getting more and more divided. The only way, listen, the only way we're ever gonna have unity in America uh, or, or among Christians in the church, only way we'll ever have unity is to learn to love diversity. And here's why. Because God is the author of diversity. He gave us different skin colors, backgrounds. Uh, These are sovereignty factors. You didn't choose your parents. You didn't choose where you'd be born, where you would be born. You didn't choose your natural talents. God gave them to you. You didn't choose the talents you don't have. Most of the things in your life you have no control over. Uh, But the one thing you do have control over is how much you trust God. Now, in in... In getting along with each other, you don't have to agree, you don't have to see eye to eye to walk hand in hand. Uh, anybody who's married knows that. Okay, okay, it, it, it's nonsense. Uh, today we're told, well, uh, if you don't accept my particular lifestyle, you don't agree with it, um, then you are phobic of me uh, or you don't love. me. Well, that's nonsense. Okay. I'm not phobic of anybody, and, I don't, and I'm And i commanded to love everybody. I have to love everybody. They don't have to love me, but my Savior, Jesus Christ, says I have to love even my enemies. I don't have to agree with them, but I do have to love them. And I, I'm commanded to treat everyone with dignity, even people who totally don't treat me with dignity. Uh, if I claim to be a follower of Jesus, then I'm supposed to do that of of. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who persecute you. Uh, 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 help those who misuse uh, uh, you and stuff like that. In other words, it's returning good uh, for evil. So w- we have to learn to love diversity. Different doesn't mean uh, demonic. It doesn't mean, well, it's bad. Uh, if we took four people out, put them on four corners of an of a intersection, and there's an accident, it would be seen four different ways, and this witness would say, "Here's what I saw." And this would say, "Here's what I saw." Here's what I saw. It's not that that it, it's just human nature that we see it different ways because of our filters of, of how we grew up.
1: I've been wanting to look to the church to help bring unity back to Meredith, um, and and it's it has been a lot of challenges, and that includes the social media realities and the. Uh, it, and you just kind of throw up your hands, and, and you get confused, and we do the best we can do with a furring character where we can find it. And one of the things that you taught me, you know, when you built created the peace plan, which is a, a plan, you know, you find a man of peace or a woman of peace, and that's how you engage the world. You know? Right.
0: Um, and, and they didn't have to be a Christian at the point either. They were just open and and willing to work with you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that's how you make the changes, you know. Uh, That's how you make make, make things a little better.
0: And there's a verse in the Bible. It's in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13. And it gives qualifications for leaders. And it says this, uh, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Okay. Remember, your leaders who spoke the word of God. You consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Now, this passage gives us three characteristics of good leaders: they have a message worth remembering, they have a lifestyle worth considering, and they have a faith worth imitating. That's the kind of leaders we need today. A message worth remembering. It's not a. It's not a gotcha message. You know, it's not a put down message. It's not a slur uh demeaning uh dehumanizing message they have a message worth remembering evidently the 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 a leader says something that's worth listening to. They have a lifestyle worth considering. consider the outcome of their way of life. does their walk match their talk uh, does their life match what they say they are yeah Words and then they, match have your a deeds. Faith. they have a faith worth imitating, and that means that they're willing to take risks uh for something greater than themselves.
1: Well, that defines exactly what we look for in many ways of the co- companies and CEOs we try to identify. And I think it's, a, I think it's universal. I mean, I, I, I imagine someday having a list of, of the high character CEOs in all the countries around the world. And can you imagine walking into a nation? I mean, you've worked into so many. If you, if you knew the individuals that tended to lean that direction, Well, Rick, I don't want to take any more of your time than necessary. Uh, You've been such a blessing. Thank you so much for for talking to us about uh, the the Scripture perspective. Our character is affirmed uh, something in me that uh, I had hoped was there. And uh, I I just really appreciate it so
0: much. Well, let me close with another Bible verse for next generation leaders. Uh, As I'm not in age. I have a verse for the next generation, and it's 1 Timothy, the book of 1 Timothy, who was written to a young leader, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. And in 1 Timothy four twelve, it says this, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for believers. And then he gives five areas in your speech, in your conduct, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. I think that's credibility right there. That's character right there. He says, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young, okay? But set an example, and then he says, in your speech. So I need to ask myself, how do I talk to people? Do do I use words that build up or do I use words that tear down? Right. Uh, And then he says, be an example in your conduct. How am I living my life in front of my kids, my spouse, in front of uh, uh, people I'm working with, in front of strangers. Then be an example in love. Do I really love people? And and if I do, then how am I showing it? You might love people and not really be showing it. Um, I've told pastors for years, I said, you can fake love for a couple years, but you can't fake it for 43. Like with me being a pastor for 43 years as a pastor. The people figure out you really love them or you don't. Okay, you might be able to shine them on for a couple of years. Oh, I love you. But it, it shows up when you show up at the, the graveside or at the bedside or at the hospital or in the family crisis or the marriage crisis. Love, do I really love people and how do I show up? Then he says, be an example in faith. So I need to ask myself, how do I demonstrate my faith uh, in, in God? And then he said, be an example in purity. Uh, am I living with Integrity? Am I living to the best as I am able to do to live a pure life? Not a perfect life, but a pure life. All these things come down to the issue of habits. And that it will end with this that it, it's basically your character is built on your habits. If you want to have good character, you got to have good habits. And uh, I, don't you do that? Don't you examine the habits uh, in, in the companies you're working with?
1: The notion of measuring character is impossible. What you, what you can do is you can measure a person's character habits. And we focus on integrity, responsibility, forgiveness, and compassion and look for evidence there uh, to, to kind of equate to our uh, just. And the other thing, too, that's important. I mean, in our industry, we, we try to find character in play already, but character is not a fixed thing. Character is can move and develop and grow. And so, I'm, you know, and we're cheering for every
0: company. It can go the other way, too. You and I know leaners who had character years ago, but don't have it today. And, and so it's it, it, it it's not static. It can change. You're only as good as your last decision.
1: But I think your 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 point about having the people around you, and that's why one of the things that's critical is that the research has shown that you can have a high character CEO, but if you have a team that's slow character, they cancel each other out. And so the, the, the only real power combo is when you have a high character leader and a team that's leaning that direction as well, you know, and that's, and to me, that's, you know, I try to I talk to my, my sons about, you know, your friends are the biggest influence, you know, in the direction you go and, and to your point about, um. You know, speaking to the younger crowd, I mean, this strategy that we developed is the first of its kind, and it's been amazing to me to see how it's the young people that go yes. I mean, it's like they get it quicker, you know, people that are, are just so sick of all the garbage in the market or whatever, they're like, they, it seems like they're the ones that are just starving for this, especially the next
0: generation and wealth. Well, yes, it's really a big deal because um, first place, authenticity has never been out of style. Okay. I mean, there's no generation that actually says, oh yes, we want phony leaders. Nobody It's never gone out of style, authenticity, but it does get rarer in some situations. And we're in a period right now where image is everything and character is not important. And, and so I thank God for uh, your company, and I thank God for other people who are involved in saying, you know, we're going we're gonna to hold fast to what really matters because the tide will turn. What happens is people eventually get fed up with phoniness. They get fed up. They, 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 they climb a ladder, uh, and then when they get to the top, they realize it's leaning against the wrong wall. And and so then they go. Well, wow, what do we do? Well, then you have to climb down and get on on the ladder of character, and the ladder of credibility, and the ladder of of authenticity. And uh, and and, and you, when you do that, uh, you're you people. You're going to go a long way. Here's the thing about integrity. When you don't have it, you have to remember everybody you lied to. When 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 you have integrity, you don't have to have a good memory. <laughs> Because, you know, you, did, you didn't tell a guy one thing, one thing, and somebody else another way. And th- that's why the Bible says the man of integrity walks securely. He also sleeps soundly.
1: Well, Rick, I, I I love you. Thank you so much for just pouring into this topic. It's a tough one to take on, if I'm modest. Um, and and it's refreshing to just start talking about it honestly. You know, uh, the, the discussion around the topic and and trying to work it out and and move forward and bring people together is great. And I appreciate you. And thanks for your time today.
0: For people who who want to know more, is there a book to read or or a manual or anything that that we could recommend
1: for us? You know, we base a lot of our research on return on character. Um, uh, by Fred Keel, the book Return on Character, where it studied uh, companies over a period of seven years and it outlined and um, basically discovered that high character CEOs outperform low character CEOs by a factor of five as it relates to wow. uh, return on a- uh, assets. You know, and then Joe Ritchie and ours original uh, work also proved out that, you know, character outperforms, because that was when we first did, a, I did my first character fund. Um, and and the, the neat thing is, for people that are interested, especially within their own organizations, uh, if they wanted to develop this, you know, within their own organization, um, KRW, the people that actually did the research for the book Return on Character, which is the namesake of our fund, they go and work with organizations and leaders and actually develop, measure, and, and coach character in the workplace. You know, whether it be big, huge businesses, nonprofits, or, or anything. And, and they've led all the research that we have today. So KRW International is a great source. Uh, they, they are the leading character scientists uh, of our age.
0: Well, it's good talking to you, Dan. Thank you, Rick. Love you. Love you, too. See you later. Bye-bye. For information about investing in character-led companies, please visit www.rocinvestments.com and join the growing number of investors choosing to make character a priority when investing their money.